Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Now, I was absolutely stunned, but not surprised, because I can tell you what, we did an April Fool's gag here on the radio station going back a few months ago, obviously on April the 1st, where we pretended that the Green Party had brought in legislation whereby you couldn't drive your car outside a city boundary and you could only drive it on odd and even days of the week. And it was an April Fool's joke. Remember we had Carl Dieter on, the financial expert, etc., etc., saying what a great idea it was, even though he didn't believe that, he was just playing along with the gag. And we had so many people got so angry about it. And then we said, oh, April Fool, April Fool. Nothing like that would ever happen. Well, I was shocked to read yesterday in the Irish Independent that people will be ordered to work from home in the event of a major fuel crisis sparked by the war in the Ukraine under the secret government emergency plans. And the Irish Independent had learned confidential details of an emergency planning exercise held 10 days ago. We didn't know about this, did we? Between all major state agencies in the government. In other words, they've set up a committee like NEFIT to deal with the fuel crisis. But is it really a fuel crisis or a political crisis? I'll talk about that in a second. But the high-level planning exercise proposed three-day fuel supply deficit scenarios and possible consequences were presented. Now, they talk about how we're going to see a 20% drop in diesel supply probably in September, 35% drop in December because this is according to demand. And in February, of course, in the colder months of the year, uh, possibly the extreme, which will be a third. Now, uh, and, of course, priority has to be given to electric generators uh, to supply electricity for the, the, the nation and also to farmers for preparing silage. So what they will do is they will order people not to go to work and work from home. They will also limit uh, non-essential travel in a car and they will have strict uh, rules when it comes to getting diesel and that you won't be allowed to drive your car on, say, an odd, depending on your reg number, on an odd day of the week. So, for example, those with odd numbers at the end of the registration number um, could refuel on a Monday, Wednesday and a Friday and those with even numbers maybe on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. This is really a plan, by the way. So, but what the hell is actually going on? Because I'm reading, I'm trying to do as much research as I can in relation to fuel, right? And to me, it doesn't seem like there's a fuel crisis. There's a political crisis. And... There's enough fuel. There's plenty of fossil fuel out there. We're just not getting it for some reason. To talk to you a little bit more about it is Kevin McParland, who's CEO of Fuels for Ireland. Kevin, good afternoon to you in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing? Mighty now, but you're scaring the life out of people. Ah, but I mean, this is according to the Irish Independent. This is according to a secret government emergency plan. I didn't know anything about this, by the way. No, look, we have, we have to... We, look, first of all, we have to, t- to stop people from being terrified. It, it, it's It's... A plan in the event of an emergency. It's not saying that any of this is expected. And, and you know, this happens every couple of years. The government does a major exercise around how the country would cope if there was a major disruption to oil supply. And usually the scenarios have been around, you know, um, a, a breakdown of a jetty or something like that that means you can't unload fuel. And that's normally the scenarios. But because of the situation in Ukraine, they they changed the scenarios this year just to have a, have a look at how that might be. It's certainly not saying that this is expected to happen in September or in April or anything. It's not expected to happen at all. It remains exceptionally remote as a possibility, but it is the clever thing to do. And no more than I'm sure Classic Hits does their fire um, fire <laughs> evacuation drill every now and again. This a bit is of a, a bit of a difference, it's Kevin. A drill. Yeah. It, okay. It's a drill. 
But what, what we're seeing at the moment, when we're seeing the price, and it's only in the papers today, actually, in the UK, for example, they're seeing it go over 180 sterling for the first time. So we can expect that to come here. I've seen some places here at the moment up over 210 again. All right. And that's even with the discount we've got mm-hmm. um, in relation to the taxes that are on it. I believe the government could be doing more for us. But in saying that, that's another day's conversation. In relation to the fuel, what is actually happening? Because... I read from experts online, for example, that Ireland and many EU countries are not buying from Russia. Now, I know we only get 20% of our fuel from Russia anyway, but most of ours comes from the UK. But in saying that, many European countries do and, and did rely on Russia. So now the Russians are selling it to India at $75 a barrel, crude oil, and to China. And the Indians are then, uh, they're obviously processing the oil and refining the oil and selling it back to Europe at premium prices. So nobody's really winning here by, I suppose, by blocking Russian oil, are they? I think, well, I, I would, I dispute that because I don't think that people, people are trying desperately to make sure that they're buying no Russian oil. And one of the things that now has to come out about these sanctions is, well, how do we guarantee that there's no, there's no Russian molecules in the tank? You know, um, so people are very determined not to do that. So I don't think you'll find uh, certainly no Fuel to Island members going in and buying fuel from India that they can't be assured of where the original feedstock came from. But, but on a more... On a, but, 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 on they a are, but they are... But they, they may not be selling it to Ireland and, I'm, and I understand that, Kevin. But from a, I suppose from a European point of view, they yeah. are selling it back to the EU at premium levels. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a broader thing going on. So, so, so since the invasion of Ukraine, most... Well, certainly all fuel the members have been trying to get themselves away from doing any sort of business with Russia. And that's been happening a, across Europe. But now that the sanctions have been announced, although we still don't have the... the, the total detailed picture um, more and more countries have been doing that more and more companies have been doing that and what that is meaning as you say uh, Russia has been selling into China into India they are now not buying from uh, to the same volumes from the Gulf for example so we're bringing in stock from the Gulf we're bringing in more from Scandinavia whatever to make sure that we are, are not supporting Russia's um, efforts in Ukraine uh, that has had an impact on price it has to be you know it's acknowledged that it has also the fact that you're shipping in from new locations from new suppliers you're using new shipping companies you know whenever you negotiate a, a, a contract under a little bit of pressure that's always going to have an impact uh, and and that is why prices have well, well one shot up and okay. have continued to creep up then can i ask you kevin um and, and everybody knows that what is happening in the in ukraine is an atrocity mm-hmm. there's, there's no doubt about that yeah. and certainly nobody wants to be assisting the russians in doing what they're doing currently at the moment but and there is a but we have bought oil in the past from countries that are in turmoil or countries that are um under siege or countries in this particular situation why is it only now that we've decided, and some people would use the word virtue signal, when it comes to buying oil? To buying oil? Why, why is it only now? Well, I think that there's, a, there's a broader piece around this now, which is to say that in Ireland, in Western Europe, and in, in many other countries, over decades there has been an effort to reduce our capacity to produce our own fuel. So whether that's about expiration bans or whether it's about making it harder to establish refineries in, in, in Europe, what that has meant is that over decades, government policy in this country and in other countries have left us developing greater and greater dependencies on countries that we would rather not depend. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I think there has been, in, uh, to some extent, sort of a uh, willful blindness. Uh, to and why, that's that the point I'm making. Is, so why can't 
the willful blindness continue with just because it's not the Middle East anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and yeah, to me, well, I, that I, doesn't I make any I, sense because we're cutting. Think, are think, we not cutting our nose to spite our face? Well, I think public opinion is we don't. You know, we don't want to support this, and, and, and that's why you'll find that our members moved ahead of sanctions and said, look, our customers don't want to be supporting this regime, so therefore we're going to take action now. And also, it was quite clear that, that sanctions were very likely to come in, so it was the smart Absolutely. thing to do to start making those, making those... Kevin, I couldn't agree with you more. Early. Nobody wants to be seen to be supporting the war or promoting or financing a war uh, for Russians against the people of Ukraine. But in saying that, people also, you know, the government have a duty to Irish citizens, of course, as well, to protect them too, you know, against rising costs and putting us all into poverty, because... We We've now got haulage companies who literally can't afford to run their trucks. And if they are, it's costing extra, which obviously, uh, you know, encourages prices on the shelves to go up, etc., etc. So everything is being affected. There's a knock, massive knock-on effect to this. But whether For, or not Ireland was buying Russian fuel, that would happen because, you know, the, the global commodity price for, for oil and for, for diesel and gasoline and kerosene have all shot up dramatically. So, you know, it used to be the case that we would look at the Brent oil prices, and we'd look at those as an indicator of trends that would happen two or three weeks down the line. That's no longer relevant because it's been so volatile in the last few months. You're having to look at wholesale prices on, of, of refined products and say, okay, that's going to give me an indication of what's likely to happen in the next couple of days to, to a week. So, you know, the, the commodity prices are set on a global level. So whether Ireland was buying uh, fuel from Russia or was insisting on it coming from other places really wouldn't have made much of a difference there at all. I'm, I'm looking like, for example, today the price of Brent oil, and that's what we used to always go by, as you rightly said, uh, is 118 to 120 per barrel, right? Mm-hmm. If we go back, say, 15 years ago, it was actually higher than that, and yet we were paying 135 at the pumps. And, and, yet it, the taxes and I understand we buy in dollars. I understand. Dramatically. The increases have increased dramatically. The carbon taxes have been growing, the excise, and there's different obligations that have been put onto oil Still companies. Still wouldn't bring it up to two euro. I mean, I understand the VAT rate has gone from 21 to 23%. You've got the green tax of 5%. You've got excise duty went up. Mind you, they've just given us a discount on that anyway. And then, of course, you also have the difference in the currency exchange because it's bought in dollars. And I get And that. yet, despite all of that, Niall, if you're paying two euro today for a litre of petrol, 86 cents of that is going to the government in the forms of various different government charges. If you go back 15 years ago, it would have probably been around 50 cents. So that is the difference. You know, that's what has made this sort of inexorable rise in prices. And it's meant that we've been very poorly equipped to deal with this shock in the market on, on a global level. Okay. So where do, where do you expect it to head, Kevin? I mean, because I, I don't know, I'm not the expert. I assume you are to some degree. Where do, I mean, what are we going to be talking about in six months' time? When, of course, we all start switching back on our lights, switching back on our heating again, and we're all going to be start using a lot more fuel and people need to get to and from work, et cetera, et cetera. So where, where are we going to be in six months' time, in your prediction? Where do you think it would well, be? Well, I can't speculate in terms of prices because, you know, one, I don't know. Nobody, nobody really does. But two, anything that I did say that was kind of speculative, you know, could be seen as, as, as um, some sort of price signaling or whatever. So I can't speculate on prices. What I can say is to bring the conversation right round in the loop to where we started, we're very confident that we will have a, a full supply, will continue to meet the needs of, of, of consumers, whether it comes to transport, for heating, for businesses. That, that we're, we're really confident on that. So we don't want to scare people with that story yesterday that there's, there's some you know, genuine fear that this is likely to happen down the line. All we can say is that the pricing is... Absolutely transparent. We're the only visit, we're the only sector of the economy where the price is put up in foot tall letters outside the premises before you come in. 
So that, you know, the competition is as tight as it possibly can be. Margins on fuel are tiny. If you were to go in to a petrol station today and spend 70 or 80 euro on petrol or diesel, and I walked in behind you and bought a cappuccino for 2 euro 50, the profit on the cappuccino would exceed that on the fuel. It, it, you know, it, it's a very tight margin. margin of course, product. it's based on turnover, of course. It yes. is, yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Okay, so, but but do you see it going, at the moment, let's say the average is around two euro, two, three cent or whatever it is, that's probably around the average at the moment in most Irish garages. Very few are under the two euro mark now. Some as high as 220. Mm-hmm. Would, do you see that price rising a lot more? Because I don't think people can withstand that. And I'm still unsure as to why Michal Martin seems to be very reluctant to cap the VAT on it. Other countries have done it. Uh, Within the EU, he claims he can't, he can't do it because we're in the EU. Other countries have done it, so I don't I don't understand why he can't cap it. I don't understand that either. But I, but I, I can't say what what prices are like to. But I definitely do think government needs to have a serious look at the various different ways in which they levy extra cost onto Irish motorists, homeowners who use oil to heat their homes and businesses for their fuel needs. Because we all know, you don't buy fuel for the crack. It's not a discretionary product. It's to meet needs. It's to get to work, get the kids to school, to deliver products to supermarkets, for businesses to export their products uh, around the world. That's what fuel is. And we really need to start recognising that we can't just keep loading on more and more prices. Absolutely. I know know we all want to do the right thing. We we all want to move to alternative fuels in the future. But at the moment, that's just not available to us because we all drive petrol and diesel cars and trucks and everything else. And unfortunately, a lot of the the electric stuff and all that is not perfect yet. And it's outside of our price bracket. You're absolutely right. Like, you know, and, and this is not to say that we shouldn't be, you know, putting huge effort into moving to renewables and moving to biofuels, advanced synthetic fuels. That's or nuclear, nuclear, go or, nuclear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all, of the, all of those things need to be considered. But what we're saying is right now, this is where our dependency is. And because fuel has an impact on the price of everything else, it has a massive inflationary pressure. And government really needs to have a long, hard look at how they levy extra costs on mm. Irish motorists, homeowners and businesses. I know, I, and just finally, I know you're saying it's a prudent plan, right? Mm. But, I, but I've been doing this job for so long now, Kevin, that things that I have said in the past, and I have had people on the air, you know, before COVID-19, for example, saying, oh, before long, Noel, you'll have to have a pass to get into a restaurant. And I go, don't be so stupid, you conspiracy theorist. And what I'm saying is, when I read this article yesterday in the paper, as unbelievable as it sounds that we will have rationing for fuel on odd and even days of the week, I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, anything is possible now. Are, are you telling me this is just a scare tactic? And do you honestly believe this will never happen? I would never say never, but I think it's exceptionally unlikely. Exceptionally unlikely. You know, if you think about when, when, when Russia invaded Ukraine, th- there were tight days of supply. We had one day where we only had one day of stock for diesel in our commercial stocks in the whole country. You know, we're up multiples now. Uh, That's uh, scary, so- isn't it, by the way? It, it, yeah, it, it was, but and it meant that we had to take some measures to kind of, uh, you know, manage those stocks responsibly. So we stopped people buying bulk orders and those sort of things just to make sure that we we're fine. We do this, we do this regularly. This is part of our business, so we're we're completely comfortable with that. We know that we have new supply arrangements with new countries, new companies, new shipping arrangements. They've been bedded in now over the last couple of months. We're more confident than we ever have been before. But it is a sensible thing to do. What ha- what were to happen if the the the, the jetty were to be damaged in a storm? Um, at Dublin Port, where half of all of our oil comes in. How do we manage that? It makes sense to do these planning exercises, and that's what it was. No more than that. Okay, so you believe the Irish Independent article was a little bit, a bit of a scare tactic? Well, 
I, no, I mean, it was it was correct. It was technically correct, but 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 I don't want people to think that this is something which is planned for because it's expected to happen. It's not. Okay. Listen, thank you very much indeed, and I appreciate you coming on the air. Thanks, Tony. Sound job, now, There you go, Kevin McPart, CEO of Fuels for Ireland. So what you read in the paper yesterday is most likely never going to happen. It's a plan in case it ever happened. But according to Kevin, he's very confident uh, that we will get through the summer and the winter months without having those fuel shortages that would make it necessary uh, to go to those kind of, people are calling them fuel lockdowns. <laughs> That's kind of essentially what they are, isn't it? Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Oh,